Welcome to the Elmer EMC podcast. We want to support you on your journey with God. So here's this week's teaching. Well, good morning, church family. It is not good not to see you again now for the seventh Sunday in a row, but it is good that we are able to have this way of connecting and so greatly appreciate Alex for coming and doing the recording. So without further ado, let's get into the scripture and begin with a word of prayer. So Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your great love to us, for your protection in these difficult and troubling times. We pray that your protection would continue to be upon our church family and all of their family and friends. We ask that you would be with us as we engage with your word today. Thank you for your word. It is true. It is reliable. It is our food, our daily bread. And so thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever asked the question, okay, now what? Now what? What do we do now? What do we do next? We have um, in our town, when it comes to this COVID-19 situation and the restrictions that this has placed on our activities and our gatherings, uh, the province came out a number of weeks ago with uh, a statement that gatherings of more than five people, even at someone's home and, and uh, certainly with respect to religious gatherings, is prohibited. And so what do we find in our very own town? Uh, this is all very public, so I hesitate not at all to make mention of the fact that the Church of God on the north uh, side of town has taken the approach that they will uh, have gatherings, uh, although uh, the pastor has made it clear that he does not consider these gatherings because people are in their cars. They are uh, have indeed in his mind, and probably legitimately so, established clear protocols for uh, staying in their cars and listening over their radio. Uh, they've used that particular technology, and the pastor and the team lead a service from uh, a plat- an outside platform. And um, this has generated some controversy Uh, It's become very public. Uh, The pastor has indicated that he has no intention of uh, ceasing and desisting uh, in spite of calls for him to do that from various officials, including the police and mayor. The police were on the scene on Sunday morning to uh, take video, and uh, their response is, is pending at this point. And this has raised the question and the issue of, to what degree do we, uh, at what point do we make a, a hard and fast stand on something? Uh, the Church of God has decided that this is how they will go ahead. We have taken a different approach. I sent an email uh, last week to the pastor, figuring that um, if I had any concerns, they should be addressed directly to him, and I did so. Uh, We've had a little bit of back and forth uh, in the last, actually the last uh, couple of days, and uh, I'm hoping that a conversation with him will continue. Uh, But what do we do next? That has been their choice. 
when it comes to us, we have determined to do things in this particular way. Uh, I will address this further uh, in terms of the issues raised in my weekly update email, which now that you're seeing me speak, you may already have read, and if you haven't, uh, give it a boo and wrestle with the issues uh, and uh, do so thoughtfully and prayerfully. But what do, what do you do next? Um, you know, perhaps uh, you have a situation in your life uh, in, in which you're not sure what to do next. Uh, and the question is, how do you deal with that? What do you do? Do you do nothing? Do you do something which seems to be the next logical step? Do you have an, a range of options before you and you uh, pick the one that seems to be the most promising? Do you uh, do something other than that? Do you pray when it comes to this? And perhaps more uh, significantly in your life, you have had a significant encounter with the Lord, whether it's in church or at a camp or retreat or alone, in which you sensed that he was calling you to something uh, and that he was uh, equipping you and, and, and speaking to you and giving you direction in terms of fulfilling what would be your life's calling and vocation and ministry. And then after that, nothing much happened. And you're wondering, what do I do next? And I wonder what thoughts or feelings or even doubts have you found yourself wrestling with and working through? Jesus' disciples encountered him in the upper room, and uh, Thomas was present for the last uh, encounter there, the second one. Uh, in the first one, Jesus assured them of his presence and peace. He commissioned them, uh, breathing upon them that they would receive his spirit. He gave them some, at least in this case, one clear direction. And then Thomas is there the following time, and he just expresses that wonderful statement of personal faith and commitment, my Lord and my God. And John goes on to say that many other things happened, many other signs were given that are not recorded, but the ones that he's recorded are written so that we may know that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing on him we have life in his name. And then John 21 happens, and it, and it raises the question, okay, what do we do now? What do we do now? Let, let me read. After this, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. This is how he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were all together. And Simon Peter spoke up. He said, I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. And they said, we'll go with you. Now, why do you think Peter wanted to go fishing? What was going on with Peter? Was it for recreational purposes? Here we are by the sea. Oh man, I'd love to get some good eating out there. Let's 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 go out there and you know do what we've always done. Let's enjoy ourselves, some rep recreation, or or perhaps was this some time that Peter wanted to take to think about uh, what was happening while doing something enjoyable, or was this? A case of, you know, nothing's happening, so I might as well go back to the only vocation I know, which is fishing. We don't know why Peter decided to go fishing, but his friends said, we're, we're going with you too, and they did. So what do we do now? 
as we wait in this situation of limbo sometimes? Do we go back to work, go back to what we know? What do we do now? They went off, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. What do we do now when we come up empty, doing it our way? What do we do when it doesn't matter what we try? The results just aren't there. The fruit isn't born. We come up empty, and it, it creates in us a sense of despair and emptiness and futility. And we wonder, where is the Lord? Where is he? I thought I was called to something. And so when I actually tried to go and do something, I come up empty. What do we do now? As dawn was breaking, Jesus stood beside the seashore. But the disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. Children! said Jesus to them. Haven't you got anything to eat? No, they replied. Cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find something. Sound familiar at all? Sound familiar? So they cast the net. (laughs) What do we got to lose? They cast the net and now they couldn't draw it in because of the weight of the fish. What do we do now when we come up empty doing it our own way? How about risk believing that abundance is the outcome? of doing things his way. As he speaks to us again, sometimes we wait and we hear nothing and and we go, well, I thought I was called to something and nothing's happening. Sometimes we just have to wait and while we wait, why don't we pray? Why Why don't we rest in the assurance that when he's ready to speak, he will speak. Did he speak to us at that retreat or in that church service or when we were alone with him? Did he speak? And maybe you've wondered whether that was your own head talking to you. You go, did he speak? I'm sure he did. Well, then wait, rest, and then risk believing that when he does speak, that abundance, his abundance, will be the outcome of doing things his way. They cast the net, and now they couldn't draw it in because of the weight of the fish. And so the disciple that Jesus loved spoke to Peter. It's the master. I think, I think that's Jesus. And there was this recognition, maybe stemming from the similarity of what Jesus did on another occasion, and then the result, but it became pretty clear to John and to the rest that it's the master. He's spoken. When Simon Peter heard that it was the master, we read that he wrapped his cloak around him. He'd been naked for work and threw himself into the sea. Why did Peter throw himself into the sea? I mean, it's Jesus, right? Now, this is a different throwing himself into the sea than uh, what happened in the case of Jonah, where uh, death would have been the result, because we read that that, that Peter went as fast as he could to Jesus. What do we do now? How about run or swim fast? in this case, to Jesus, because he might just have more to say to us. He might have, he, you know, please be patient. We used to uh, have a, one of those Jesus culture buttons back when I was a teenager. Please be patient. God isn't finished with me yet. Please be patient. Jesus wasn't finished with Peter. He's not finished with you. He's not finished with me. And and the thing that we want to do is not run away from Jesus, not uh, keep our distance, but run or swim fast. Get there as quick as we can to where the presence of Jesus is calling us. He, in fact, will have more to say to us. And uh, we read that the other disciples, I mean, good old impetuous Peter, don't you love it? 
jumping into the sea and swimming for all he had. Uh, the other disciples, I wonder what was going through Peter's mind as he was swimming. I wonder if he was thinking, okay, now will be the time of my comeuppance. I know what I did. I know, and I, and I couldn't feel worse for it. But to run from Jesus, to avoid him, would be the absolute worst thing I could do. And uh, I wonder if he was thinking some things like that, or very simply, man, I'm hungry. Who knows with, with good old Peter. But we read, the other disciples brought the boat into the land, dragging the net full of fish. They weren't far from shore, about 100 yards away, or in Canadian um, a little less than a hundred meters away. When they came to land, they saw a charcoal fire laid there with fish and bread on it. Jesus spoke to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter went and pulled the net onto the shore. It was full of large fish, 153 in all. The net wasn't torn, even though there were so many. Come and have breakfast, said Jesus to them. Now, does that surprise you at all? Does that surprise you that the first thing that Jesus would do is to offer them breakfast? He's already been cooking it, uh, and now he even invites these guys to bring some of their catch into the feast. And uh, if, if it was only 153 and not however many Jesus was already cooking, uh, just based on the 153 and I believe eight people present, seven disciples and Jesus, that's 19 and change fish each. What a feast, even though I have to say fish for breakfast does not appeal to me at all. Supper, you got it. Breakfast, not a chance. But have you ever had a meal? with Jesus? And the answer is, yes, you have. In fact, we used to have a plaque in our dining room at home, and it said this, this is, Christ is the head of this house, the unseen guest at every meal, the silent listener to every conversation. Jesus knew their hopes and dreams and aspirations and fears and questions and even doubts. And he invites them now to bring all of that with them, including some of their own catch, all of their catch, to breakfast with him. Come and have breakfast, said Jesus. We read, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the master. Seems John felt that it was important to reinforce that little detail. And then we read that Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so also with the fish. What do we do now? As we have wondered what all this downtime is about and we try things our own way and we come up empty and then Jesus speaks and we begin to experience something of his abundance and we, we come to him wondering what he might have to say to us and we find that what Jesus does first and foremost is he serves these guys breakfast. What do we do now? Let Jesus serve you. And you might think, that's backwards. I'm the one that's supposed to be serving Jesus. But did not Jesus say that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and in so doing, give his life a ransom for many? In the upper room, the evening before his death, knowing fully who he was and where he was going, he took the towel, he got the basin, and he served these disciples washing their feet after the manner of the lowest household slave 
in, in relation to the culture of the day. And now we see him serving them breakfast, taking the bread and giving it to them, and so also the fish. Let Jesus serve you. I think in, in Jesus' order of things, we eat first, then we talk. We eat first, conveying a sense of fellowship and acceptance. Then we have what in some cases may be the difficult conversation, and yet every difficult conversation that Jesus will ever engage in with you is always designed for your restoration and my restoration. And that, of course, will follow. We're not going to get to that today. Jesus served them. And now this was the third time that Jesus had appeared to the disciples after he had been raised from the dead. What do we do now when we are in this holding pattern and nothing seems to be happening and and so we try things our own way, we come up empty. And then we hear his voice and and we risk believing that abundance is the outcome of doing things his way and we run to Jesus and we find him serving us. That is amazing. What will you do now? Maybe you're in one of these holding patterns. Maybe you don't know what the next step for you, for your life, for your family, in terms of your vocation, whatever it may be, in terms of of how we all move forward out of this lockdown, shutdown, whatever we want to call it. What's next for you? And perhaps, and in fact, Truly, sometimes the next thing is simply to wait, to seek the Lord, to pray, and wait till he speaks, trusting that, in fact, if Jesus has spoken to you and, and there are some loose ends, trust him. He'll speak again. You can, you can be certain of that. What will you do now in terms of your own situation? What, what do we as a church do? What's, what's next for us? What's next? What will we do? Well, today, we're going to let Jesus serve us. As you can see, the elements for communion are are before me on the table, and this will be the second virtual communion that uh, I am leading you in. And so let's take a moment. I should have said at the outset uh, that you should go and get some bread, get some juice, and prepare yourself a table, whether you're by yourself or with your family. And take the time to engage in this representative feast that Jesus has asked us to engage in. And so let's pray, giving thanks for the bread and the cup. Heavenly Father, you are so good. It astounds us that you would send your Son with a mandate and a mission to serve us to the point of giving your life as a ransom for many. So today, as we take the bread and as we drink the cup, We do so with profound gratitude in our hearts. And and so we say, thank you and amen. In the Gospels, we read that Jesus, in that upper room, took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And so, Lord, we remember you. We remember your body given over to death on the cross, a sacrifice so astounding and so utterly effective in removing the distance that was between us. And so we run to you today. We run to you and we let you serve us 
with this very emblem of your body given over in death for us. Let's eat this together. We also read that Jesus took the cup, saying that this was representative of the new covenant in his blood, a new covenant which guarantees and brings into effect the forgiveness of every sin. Our Passover lamb has been slain. A fountain has been opened for cleansing from sin. And by way of the the shed blood, the precious blood of Christ shed on the cross, we have forgiveness. We have reconciliation. We have the hope that one day we will drink this cup and, and eat a meal far more luxurious than just a piece of bread in the kingdom once it's been completed at the marriage supper of the Lamb. But now we drink, uh, looking back with thankfulness and looking forward in anticipation. Let us drink this cup together. Jesus said, do this until I come. He also said, until I come, do business. Do practical, necessary, and desirable acts of service the Greek word is pragmatuomai, uh, from which we get the word pragmatic. Do practical ministry for the benefit of those that I have come to call and to save. And so we will do that. Thank you for the way that you have been responding to this pandemic. Thank you for maintaining not social distancing, but physical distancing. I trust that we are socially and spiritually connected by way of so many wonderful means available to us, whether it's FaceTime or, or Duo or Zoom or Facebook. I'm the only dinosaur probably not on Facebook, but, but there, there are these other things that I'm playing with these days and, and just the good old phone. And in these ways, let us continue to encourage one another, to bless one another, to support one another. Today, as you give uh, by means of uh, the e-transfer, um, please, as you do, take the opportunity and consider uh, putting in the notes section, the message section, uh, if you would like to designate some of your gift to the Benevolent Fund. We have the possibility that there will be needs of a financial nature, and we want to be prepared to address those. And so we thank you for uh, your generosity. And now I just want to close with one last scripture that, um, again, has to do with the fact that Jesus, uh, as he served these disciples, he will serve every one of us uh, as we are faithful to him. Listen to this wonderful passage in Luke 12, verse 35 says, Make sure that you're dressed and ready with your lamp alight, said Jesus. You need to be like people waiting for their master when he comes back from the wedding feast, so that when he comes and knocks, they will be able to open the door for him at once. A blessing on the servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. I'm telling you the truth. And this is astounding. He, Jesus, he will put on an apron and sit them down and come and wait on them, a blessing on them, if he comes in the second watch of the night or even the third and finds them like that. 
waiting, watching, dressed and ready, and serving the master, doing business, occupying until he comes. May our master find us so doing should he come before we meet again. God bless you. God be with you. God uh, grant you his peace in these days. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We invite you to follow Jesus with us and join us on mission with him. We'd love for you to connect with us through our website, worship at aemc.com, or on Facebook. Just search for Aylmer EMC.